if you have your Bible, we're, we're, we're in, in Mark chapter 9 now. We, it's a 16-week journey through the gospel of Mark. And we are now in Mark 9, which means we have, we have hit the halfway point last week, Mark 8. And now we're jumping into the second half of this book. Um, and if you've been paying attention in reading, doing a daily reading, you know that last week Jesus gave a very tough message. He said if anyone was, is going to come after him, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. He may, basically, he drew a line in the sand and said, listen, you got to make up your mind. If you're coming after me, I'm going ahead. I'm going to show you what this looks like. But most likely, if you want to come after me, you're going to have to also deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And so in chapter 9, it's the next message that he has for us starts in, in verse 2. And it's really powerful because he's coming out of this really heavy message. And he, and he follows up with this powerful uh, understanding of, of why you can deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him and you can trust him. And we're going to begin reading from verse 2 out of Mark 9. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we should have a giant one behind us because we like big Bibles and we cannot lie. And uh, I'm going to get out of the way so you, can, so you can see it and read along. But here's what it says in Mark 9, verse 2. It says, it says, six days later. So six days from that last message, six days from take up your cross, sorry, Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Six days after that really hard message, they left people confused and some people even like, I don't know if I can do this, right? Six days later from this, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain to be alone, okay? Jesus takes three of his closest students or disciples, Peter, James, and John, if you pay attention to the gospel, you will see this pattern. From time to time, Jesus will take these three guys, Peter, James, and John, and he will reveal some things to them that he wouldn't reveal to the regular crowd or even to the rest of the disciples, right? There is a ministry pattern that Jesus has that we try to model here is this, right? Jesus goes out and he preaches to the crowds, right? He preaches the kingdom, he heals, he does miracles, but then he always goes away with only the 12, right? He's got the 12 that he does life with every single day. And then he developed 70 followers that he teach them, he taught them how to take the gospel to other places. And, he, he, and they would go out two by two to bring the gospel to different areas. But then between the 12, he had these three guys that he had a more intimate connection and relationship with, right? So the way that we translate that in our day is, the crowd for us is the Sunday morning services. We broadcast our services all over the country, all over the world, and people can tune in. Um, they don't have to believe to tune in. They, they don't have to, to, to be in to tune in. So that's the crowd. Everybody can, can, can participate on a, on, a, on, a, on a macro scale. But as you get serious about Jesus, that number begins to shrink in, right? Out of the crowd... You get followers, okay? Being in the crowd does not make you a follower. Being in the crowd makes you a crowd. A follower is someone who says, now I'm taking that message personally, and I want to follow him, right? And so for us, the way that looks like is if you want to get closer, then you join a crew. You join a crew, and you begin to develop relationships, and you begin to have questions and, and, and figure out what God is trying to do with your life. And then if you want to serve, like he sent these out to serve, you join a team. And our teams are serving right now. we got people in the back serving. we got people in, our youth, in, in youth serving, in kids ministry serving. So this whole thing runs because we have people who said, I'm not just part of the crowd. I'm part of the service that Jesus wants to do here in, in our midst. And then it gets even smaller because... You have 12, but then you have your inner circle of people that you are going deeper with and people that you want to mentor to become who God has created them to become. And I want to make this clear that the greatest goal, I believe, on this side of life 
for any believer is to get to a place where you're not just living for yourself, but you're living to also help others develop their relationship with God and become a spiritual mentor that others can look to and say, I want to model what you're doing because it's not just about us. And you know you graduated from being just a consumer to a contributor when you're helping other people develop as well the way that Jesus did it is how we're trying to do it. And I pray that you make that a goal in life. God, make me a spiritual mentor to other people who need to know you and have a relationship with you. Can you say amen? All that was for free. And that was literally like I just read the first, not even sentence yet. So he led him up to a high mountain to be alone. As the man watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Another version says he transfigured. And his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. In Matthew's version of the gospel, he says he shone like the sun. Picture that, if you can. Then, Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. If you know anything about the Bible, you know Elijah and Moses have been dead for centuries. And here they are having a conversation with Jesus on this mountaintop. Which leads to verse 5. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, which means teacher, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. And you were too. If your rabbi starts transforming and he looks radiant like the sun and, and two people who've been dead for centuries shows up and starts talking to him. I don't know about you. I don't even know how Peter stuck around. <laughs> this African is running the other way because this is crazy what's happening here. So I don't blame him for just start opening his mouth and babbling away. And he gets even more interesting. Verse 7, then a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud says, this is my dear loved son. Listen to him. Jesus is transforming. Moses is here. Elijah is here. Now a cloud, God the Father gets in and says, this is my son. Listen to him. Can you imagine being in this mountaintop, having this experience? Verse 8, suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone. And they saw only Jesus with them. As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man, which is the title he gave himself, had risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other what he meant by rising from the dead. That's the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? Now, if you're taking notes, like I've been doing lately, I haven't been having slides up here on purpose because I want us to really track with the message. If you're taking notes, we're going to title this talk, A Preview of Glory. A Preview of Glory. If you've been here, you know that um, I'm a big fan of movies. I like going to the movies. It's actually one of the saddest things Personally, and it's a, this is a selfish thing, so forgive me. But I was sad when the movie theaters closed down during COVID. Like, it broke my heart. So I just like, man, this is my favorite escape on my days off. I like going to the movies. And I like going to the movies early in the morning. I want to catch the first show where there's only me and maybe a couple of senior citizens. <laughs> we don't have a life. <laughs> and we're going to take this movie in. And, and there's two things that, 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 that I need for this movie thing to be a good experience for me is I got to show up early because I need to get, hopefully they have cherry Pepsi, okay, because movies and a cherry Pepsi goes really good together. And I need to go early enough to watch the previews because I want to know what movies are coming my way so I can, so I can schedule my life accordingly. I, I love movie trailers. I love previews because I want to know, like, is this, is this going to be worth watching, right? Because in a preview, you know if I want to watch this movie or not, right? There's some previews that you're like, I'm good. Fast and Furious 9, I'm good. If you've seen one of them, you've seen all of them, 
<laughs> right? But previews gives you a glimpse of what's to come, and if you are interested, that preview will lock you in to come back and watch this movie. Are you tracking with me? And so this is what's happening here, my friends. What Jesus is doing in Mark 9 is giving them a preview of what's ahead if they stick with him. Because think about this. They're coming out of a very difficult message in chapter 8. It's a message that really will, will, will just go against the grain of your entire being. When Jesus says, hey, you want to you wanna come after me? You got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's a very hard message to swallow. Why? Because we are sinful and we are selfish by nature. What do you mean deny myself? I live for myself. It's me, myself, and I. And take up your cross, that's a symbol of death. You have to understand the cross was the death penalty of that time. It's like Jesus saying, deny yourself and embrace your guest chamber. Wait, what? I thought I came to church to sing Kumbaya. I thought I came to church to have a good time. What happened, Jesus? Jesus is saying, oh, this is the way of the kingdom. It's to deny yourself. Take up your cross and to follow me. So they're coming out of this very heavy message, which some people at that point checked out and said, it's about that time, and I'm done with this thing. There's no denying myself and taking up my cross. I am my own God. I'm going to do my own thing. So you have to understand, why is Jesus following that message with this? Because he's saying, listen to me. I know I just gave you a very hard message, but trust me, if you're willing to stick with me, to deny yourself, take up your cross, glory is ahead of you. You just got to stick with me, stay the course, and watch where I'm trying to take you. For those who stay the course will see the glory that is to come. You have to understand that the first part of Mark's gospel is just about who Jesus is. The second part is about the purpose. The purpose is I came to die. I didn't come to establish the kingdom now. I came to establish the beginning of what I'm about to do. And I am the first one that will show you what the kingdom looks like. And so this moment of transfiguration, it's a moment of Jesus saying, listen, I am more than a teacher. I am more than a rabbi. I am more than a prophet. I'm, I do more than just healing. I am the son of God. And if I'm telling you to deny yourself and take up your cross, and I'm telling you, you can trust me on this. I'm taking you on a journey that is eternal. This is not just about the now, it's about the later. Listen, if you're taking notes, the kingdom of God is about now and later. Problem is, we live all for the now. We are so consumed with the temporary that we don't realize that we have eternal souls that will live forever and are just for the now. He transforms from the inside out, not outside in. Like, this is not light shining on Jesus. This is light coming out of Jesus, right? Which is so hard to explain because have you ever looked into the sun? It's hard to stare at the sun. And here Jesus is transforming himself and he's showing that I am as radiant as the sun. Why? Because I've been hiding my glory in this human flesh. And it's so hard for us to compute how can it be possible that this is a man, but he's also God at the same time. That's why he takes only three of them and says, I'm going to give you a revelation that's going to be extremely difficult to understand at this point. But get this, it's only a preview. It's only a glimpse of the glory to come. Are you willing to deny yourself now so you can pay off later? It's a king of glory displaying his true nature that will come after the resurrection and also the second coming that is still to come. This is Jesus' way of saying, yes, my message is hard to swallow, but can you trust me that we're going somewhere? When you deny yourself, take up your cross, you will get to a place of glory somewhere down the line. If you're taking notes, please get this. The cross is coming. And we get the luxury of reading the rest of the story. We know how it ends, but think about it. These disciples had no idea. They're living this in the moment. All they know is 
what do you mean? We've been waiting for Messiah to come and set us free. How, what do you mean you're going to die? What do you mean you're going to go to the cross? Like, it makes no sense. The Messiah doesn't die. You're here to stay. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. That's your perspective of the Messiah. We have a greater perspective of what we're trying to do here. This is Jesus' way of saying the cross is not the final destination. Please catch this. The cross is the path to the goal. The goal is resurrection in the glory of God that is to come. See, the problem is we're so focused on the now that we have no idea that sometimes you get in hinder with the later because you just made the now everything. Now that's a word. Let me put it this way. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest thinkers that's ever lived, said it this way. He said, he said, aim at heaven, you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you get neither. Some people are so consumed with the now that that's all they're going to get is the now. Some people, the closest thing to heaven they will ever witness is what's happening right now. Because all they're doing is living for the now and not the later. Are you tracking with me? The cross is coming. It's part of the journey. You can't escape the cross if you want to follow Jesus. But if you embrace the cross, you will also inherit glory to come when he comes back. And what's fascinating is Elijah and Moses joins Jesus in this mountaintop. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know that Moses is the most prominent figure in the history of the Jews. Moses was the man that God chose to liberate the Jews from the oppression of the Egyptians. And so to, Mo, to, to them, the Jewish people, Moses is the liberator. He's the savior. He's the one that led the exodus. And here he is hanging out with Jesus on this mountaintop. Not only is Moses hanging out with Jesus, Elijah, who was one of the greatest prophets that's ever lived, Elijah, the man who, who actually never tasted death because God took him in a chariot of fire and said, you will not taste death on this life. I'm going to take you all the way home from this moment, which blows my mind because there's a song named Elijah by one of my favorite writers. He, he, he wrote the song, that when I live, I want to go out like Elijah. And I told my wife, the way I, the, when I die, I want you guys to play that song because I, wanna, I want everybody to know I gave this life all that I had and now I'm going in glory in Jesus Christ. But there's a powerful significance of why Moses and Elijah is joining him in his mountaintop. Because you have to understand, all along they've been waiting for a Messiah. They've been waiting for someone to lead them the rest of the way. And Moses said, there would come a prophet who was greater than me. Elijah said there would come a prophet who would be greater than me. And so here they are in this moment with Jesus, almost saying to the entire nation of Israel, we told you one day there would be a prophet greater than both of us. Moses brought us the law. Elijah represents the prophet. Well, the entire Bible is about the law and the prophets fulfilling the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here they are in the moment having a conversation with Jesus as he's as to say to his disciples, listen, everything you guys have read in your scriptures is coming to pass. Here we are to co-sign it to show you that we never die. We are in glory already, and which is great news for all of us. If you die in Jesus, you live in glory, and you will, you will know your loved ones because here Moses and Elijah is recognized by Moses and Elijah. So when we get to heaven, you will recognize your loved ones who died with hope in Jesus. And Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. The prophets of all prophets, the Lord of all lords, the king of all kings is having a conversation with two prominent figures that they all looked up to. And they thought Elijah would come back. And Jesus is saying, no, no, listen, Elijah is a figure. And he came through John the Baptist. And he came to prepare the way for me. I am the one that you've been looking for. And you can trust me because in this moment, I'm showing you my true form, which is so hard to grasp. How can God be man and man be God? It's one of the greatest moments in the history of these disciples. Because even Moses and Elijah responds to Jesus. And if you're Peter, of course you'll freak out. I would too. Went on the mountaintop with my rabbi, 
Now he's joined by two men who's been dead for centuries. And then there's a cloud, and out of this cloud comes a voice and says, this is my son, listen to him. You guys are acting it like it's so cool, like, you know, you wouldn't be faded. But I think you'd be faded, but I think you would, some of us would be peeing our pants. <laughs> this was happening in front of us. But his, his response is interesting because he didn't just freak out. And starts babbling. That's typical of Peter. We know Peter's first to open his mouth. Peter's from New Bedford for sure. <laughs> he's always got an opinion. He's always he's ready to go. He's got a sword. He pulled it out when the, the soldiers came out. Peter is definitely from the hood. <laughs> right? And his response is very interesting because he says, he says, let us make three shelters, Jesus. This is overwhelming. Like... We need to camp here. But the word that he uses is powerful because he said, basically the word shelter translated there is better translated as tabernacles. He's saying, hey, this is a holy moment. We need to set up shop and worship because tabernacle for them was the place where they would go and worship and offer sacrifices to God. And so in this moment, Peter is feeling the presence of God so real that he's like, oh my God, we got to do something. Now we got to worship. It's a worshipful moment. It's a moment that has marked me, and I want to respond to it. He just doesn't know how to respond to it because he's never had it before. When you encounter the supernatural, it makes you want to worship. But what's interesting is he wants to build these tabernacles, and the moment he says that, the Bible says that, they, they, that Moses and Elijah lifted, and it was only Jesus left. And the reason for that is... Jesus was making a point, no, 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 no longer do you need tabernacles. You don't need to sacrifice anymore because one greater than the temple is here. So just look to me as the one that you can worship because where I am, my presence is. And he goes on to say, when the spirit comes, now my presence resides in you. Guess who the temple is? You and I are. It's a powerful moment and Jesus is hinging the old with the new and he's saying, listen, you no longer have to do it that way. Now you have a mediator and he's here. He's about to sacrifice himself on your behalf. No more sacrifices. No more building temples. Wherever you go, God goes with you. Why? Because now the spirit of the God lives inside of you. And when you come to church on Sunday, you're not coming because this is a temple. You're coming because the temples of God are gathering together to worship God together. Jesus is the ultimate temple and sacrifice. That's why when he dies, the veil in the temple rips from top to bottom to say there's no more separation between God and man. You can enter his presence because now the sacrifice has been done on your behalf. Are you tracking? These are worshipful moments that we all need in our journey with Jesus that will mark you to know that he's with you and he's for you and who can be against you. No matter coming, whatever's coming your way, when you have these moments, you'll know I can and I will deny myself and take up my cross because I know what's coming. So when you get a glimpse of Jesus for who he truly is, then it's easy to be able to deny yourself because you know that you would not deny yourself if you, if you didn't know that you're about to catch something better. This is what Jesus is doing. He said, hey, I told you to deny yourself. I told you to take up your cross. I know that was hard to hear, but here's the glory. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you go from being in a crowd to being a follower. When you have a personal revelation of who he is, you're no longer just part of the crowd. You are part of the inn. And to... Make it even more fun and interesting, there's a cloud. And I find it fitting that today is a cloudy day. And read it how you like it, but I, like, I think God likes to wink at us once in a while. The cloud is God the Father speaking through it. And if you know anything about scriptures, you know that throughout the Old Testament, that's how God chose to reveal himself to man, through the cloud. It's called the Shekinah glory of God. 
Shekinah means the majesty, the splendor, and the presence. We know God is everywhere, but once in a while, God likes to center in a moment, in a place. And it could be overwhelming. So throughout their history, they were familiar with the crowd because it was a pillar of the cloud that stood by Israel in the wilderness when they were coming out of Egypt. It was the cloud of glory that God spoke to Israel from the mountaintop when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And the Bible says that Moses came down glowing. Why? Because he caught a glimpse, just a glimpse. Moses said to God, show me your glory. God's like, this is one of those things where if I do, I have to kill you. Not because I want to kill you, but because I'm too holy for you in your human being to be in my presence. So I'll just give you a little glimpse of me. And the Bible actually says that God says, I'll just show you my backside, whatever that means. (laughs) He's like, you can't handle this. It's one of those things where if I do, my bad, Moses, you're going to have to come. (laughs) It's like some of us are like, show me your glory, God. God's like, are you ready to come? Because I can't show you my full glory. You're going to have to be in glory. Moses comes down shining, but different than how Jesus shines. Jesus shines from the inside out because he is God. Moses is shining from the outside in. Why? Because when the glory of God gets on you, then your countenance changes. One of the ways that you know that the glory of God has resided in you is that it changes your countenance about life. There's a lightness that comes upon a person who has the presence of God. There's a peace about them. There's a grace about them. There's an aura about them, right? There's some people that you you, you meet and you're like, man, there's something about you. I don't know if you've ever been in those situations, but sometimes you've been in a a setting that you know, like, I can't really bring this up, but but you can tell, like, there's something, there's something. There's something here. Why? Because, because spirits and spirits talk. The opposite is also true. There are people who will say all the right things, but their spirits are saying all the wrong things. You ever been in a situation where someone is telling you stuff, but it's like there's two conversations happening here. What your mouth is telling me and what your spirit is telling me. A little too much? The Spirit of God is real. It lifts your countenance. It changes you from the inside out. The best way I can explain this to you, when you have this worship moment, you have to understand that that what you are reflecting is not you. You're reflecting the glory of God. Right? And the best way I can put it to you is this way, right? If you look at the moon, right, the moon is just one ugly rock in its natural state. The moon has no light. The moon only reflects the light of the sun, right? When the, when the sun is in its right place and hits the moon and you're like, oh my gosh, it's a, it's a full, beautiful, majestic moon and it's lighting up the world. That's the picture of a person who is in tune with the glory of God. You're just shining what is God doing in you on yourself. Can I, can I just reveal something to you? On your own, you're just one ugly rock. Hey, pastor, you call me ugly? Yes. And you got no alibi. You ugly. Yeah, yeah. You ugly. And I don't mean ugly physically. I mean ugly. Because some people look good physically, but they're ugly. Hey, but when, when the sun is in his rightful place in our lives, we beam out his, his glory, his purpose, his will. This is what Peter is freaking out because he's like, something is happening here. More than meets the eye. See, my friends, the goal here that Jesus is, is, is trying to get to with them and with us, I believe, is that we all need these moments along the way. We need these landmark moments in our journey that marks us so that when things get tough, we can remember, I know the glory to come. This is what he's doing here. He's saying, listen, I know things are going to get tough, and we're going to go to Jerusalem, and they're going to crucify me, and they're going to flog me, they're going to mock me, and you're gonna f- you guys are all going to fled. You're going to go your separate ways. But I want you to remember what's coming. 
Because in this life, Jesus was honest, man. I love Jesus because he doesn't hide anything. He said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. But take heed, I've overcome the world. And through me, you can also overcome the world. If you if you're stay consistent in denying yourself, taking up your cross, you will see glory. So we need these landmark moments along the way. If you haven't had a moment along the way where you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is real and he's for you, you need to ask him. Say, God, I don't want to leave this place without knowing for a fact that you have touched my life and you have marked me and I am marked by you. And when I'm marked by you, nobody can take me away from your will. You need this because you will be tested. There will be trials. There will be tribulations. People will leave you. People will desert you. People will talk about you. People will backstab you. You need to know in the middle of all hell breaking loose that you don't have to stop. You need to know. It's not enough to have head knowledge of God. You need to have experiences with God. You need to have experiences that you know he has touched me and I'm never going to be the same and the world cannot take this from me. No trial can take this from me. No devil in hell can take this from me. You need these worshipful moments that marks you when you know without a shadow of a doubt that God, yes, he loves you, but he has touched you. And he has marked your life. You belong to him. You're not just in a crowd. You are a follower of Jesus. You are a disciple of Jesus. You are a student of Jesus. So when he says, deny yourself, we say yes. When he says, take up your cross, we say yes. Why? Because we know the glory that is coming. And he says, those who stay faithful till the end will receive the crown of glory one day. Stay the course. Because the reality is, too many people... Don't stay the course. I've been doing this long enough to know many people will not finish the race. Some people drop off. Some people give up. Some people become consumed with the things of the world. Some people get offended and they couldn't get over the offense. Some people get bitter. Some people get frustrated. Some people get disappointed. Some people get cynical. Some people get lazy. Some people become lukewarm. There's so many reasons. It's a long race. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Every time we do baptisms, and, and we had one yesterday, to me, this is a glimpse of glory. Like they have these moments. And what's fascinating to me about baptism every single time, never gets old, is that these people who have never met each other, they come to this water. They only have two things in common. We're going through this water, and every single one of them, no matter what they came from, whatever their journey looked like, whatever their lifestyle was before, they all say, but Jesus, 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 Jesus. Every time. That fascinates me, that this man who lived 2,000 years ago, this people right now, 2021, saying, he changed my life, and he changed me, and he healed me, and he restored me, and he touched me, and he blessed me, he transformed me. It makes no sense in the natural eyes unless you have an encounter that marks you and stays with you. But here's the thing, I tell them every time. Just know that after this, you will be tested. After this, there's an enemy who hates you, who is going to do everything he can to derail you. He tried it with Jesus. The moment Jesus got baptized, he said, are you truly the son of God? Let me give you a clue about the enemy. The enemy will always put a question mark at the end of something that God already said is true over your life. Was that really for real? Did that really happen? Are you really born again? Are you really? Are you really? Because go read the Bible. The first lie in the Bible was, did God really say that? He didn't say, I'm the enemy. I'm here to ruin your life. He says, oh, I'm the enemy. I'm here to put a question mark where God already put an exclamation point. So you're going to be tempted to 
to, to walk off. You're going to be tempted to stop. You're going to be tempted to, 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 to see, to see the, this glory fade. You're going to be tempted to replace the temporary for what's eternal. And if you don't have these landmark moments that, that marks you, unfortunately, I've seen it too many times, people just give up. I told you, my first one landmark was 23 years ago. It was Memorial Day weekend. It was, it was on a Sunday like today, around 6.30 in the afternoon when I went to the service and Jesus changed everything. And since then, he's given me other landmarks along the way to keep me focused on the journey. But he says, hey, listen, it's about the straight and narrow. He says, broad is the way to destruction and many go that way. But narrow is the road that leads to salvation and only few find it. My friends, don't just be a face in the crowd. Get in the straight and narrow and follow Jesus. I've done this long enough to see people drop off. I got saved with a lot of good people who are no longer following Jesus. Friends of mine who we've preached the gospel together. We've prayed together. We've read the Bible together. Somewhere along the line, they lost track of eternity. But I don't give up on anybody. I believe it's a long journey and God is faithful to, to restore you where you are. Some of us are prodigals. We leave the house of God and go things of the world. And then we will figure out, oh my God, what am I doing out here? The glory meets you exactly in your mess. And it says, I can turn your mess into your message. So don't stay where you are. I've seen others do what Esau did. You know, you know your Bible? Esau was physically hungry and he... He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And you're like, that's ridiculous. That's birthright. You know what birthright is? Birthright in the Old Testament is the same thing as saying, I am saved. God has a plan for my life, but I'm willing to throw all that away for a little bowl of soup. What he, what the, the, the heart behind that message you have to understand is a lot of us end up selling ourselves short just for a little physical pleasure in the moment. Just to satisfy a little physical need or a little sexual need or a little, you know, it all starts small. Amen. Not realizing, wow, you're selling your birthright for something so temporary. Amen. But sometimes we're so physically and emotionally hungry that we don't realize we just bought the bait of Satan. Amen. You need worshipful moments that can mark you for all eternity, that you don't drop off. Friends, 23 years later, I can tell you this, this journey is a long obedience in the same direction. This journey is to stay the course. This journey is to not get sidetracked and, and, and distracted and, and lured into the lies and the seeds of the enemy. And sometimes it doesn't come from foreign strangers, it will come from people in your inner circle. Notice that Judas was not on his mountaintop. I've seen more people get lured out of the will of God out of familiar voices. Because they didn't discern the voice. It's a moment in this journey, go read it. Peter, the same guy, you know Peter, mouth, big mouth, loud mouth, New Bedford Peter. <laughs> One moment he says, Jesus, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, man... The Holy Spirit gave you that revelation. Clearly you understand who I am. And Jesus is like, because I am the Son of God, I'm going to Jerusalem, and they're going to crucify me, and I'm going to die. And Peter, the same, same conversation, he goes, no, 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 there's no way. I'm never going to let that happen. And what does Jesus say to Peter? See, get behind me, Satan. Because you knew in a moment you could be in the will of God, in the anointing of God. In the next moment you could be lured to think that you're doing the right thing, but with the wrong motive. That's a deep word. So on this journey, it's not the strangers that should concern you. I'm going to leave that one alone. You're going to have troubles, but Jesus overcome. And he gives you a preview, just a glimpse of his glory along the way to keep you focused and determined to finish your race. That's what he's doing here. Just a little glimpse of what's coming. In other words, there's more that meets the eye. Don't settle. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for the pain. Don't settle for the mundane. You've got to lean into Jesus and ask for a glimpse of his glory.
He doesn't mind if you ask. He might just give you his backside because you can't handle the full glory. But you need it to keep you focused. Every baptism is a tangible reminder of his glory. We just dedicated babies. They're miracles. It's like God saying, I'm still doing miracles in your midst. Don't miss it. I want to tell you today, you are deeply loved by God. Every single one of you. Doesn't matter where you come from or where you've been or where you've done, God deeply, deeply loves you. And how do I know that? Because the cross is a done deal. He's not thinking about loving you. He's already loved you. He's already marked you. The key is, are you willing to deny yourself to take up your cross and follow him and trust that the glory that's coming is greater than what's behind you? The cross is not the goal. It's the means to an end. It says, well, you have to pay for the sins of the world because God is a just God. Sin must be punished. And he says, I'd rather punish my son than to punish you. Don't you understand that, that, that people say, how can a loving God let people go to hell? Hell is actually the most just thing that a loving God can do. Because in hell, he's saying, I can't force you to accept my forgiveness, my love, and my mercy. But also, I cannot deny that justice needs to be done. Amen. That's why... Jesus tells a story of a man who went to hell, and, and, and he told Jesus, let me go back and warn my friends about this place. And he says, every day we send out messengers to tell people, don't leave this earth without the presence of God. Please hear me on this. I know our culture says, you know, you're a good person, you're going to go to heaven. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. He says, are you saved? Have you accepted his forgiveness? Have you embraced his redemption? Have you embraced his love and grace? Because if you do on this light of life, then you just continue on the next light. And if you don't, then your life continues without him on the next life. Amen. Hell is simply the absence of God. Heaven is a continuation of the presence of God in this life and the next to come. Amen. That's what it is. God's kingdom, please write this down, it's about now and not yet. It's about now. You get glimpses along the way and not yet because you don't see the fullness of it yet. You just get crumbs and snippets along the way to keep your focus on the journey. You get, he said, pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not somewhere that you go up in the sky. It's a different reality of existence where you translate into the next life. I'm at a point in my life now, to be honest with you, I was telling someone the other day, even if there's no heaven after this life, my mind's made up. The ways of Jesus is the way I want to live. I'm just thoroughly convinced that there's no better way to live life than to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Jesus. I'm convinced that the world has nothing to offer me. I'm convinced that there's no other lifestyle. There's no other way. When people say, oh, man, you guys, you know, you're doing all that. You're missing out on life. To me, it's like, what am I missing out on? Please tell me. I will, please indulge me. What am I missing out on? Another hangover? What am I missing out on? Being addicted? What am I missing out on? Not knowing my identity, not knowing my purpose, not knowing my destiny. What am I missing out on? Tell me, world. Tell me. Because what I see is people trying very hard to convince you that they're having a good time. It's like if you're having a good time, you don't have to convince me. <laughs> Just like when people get upset, like people that are like, there's no God. I'm like, well, then why are you mad? There's no God. Why are you mad? Bro? You should be the, the, the chillest person in the world. But the people are like so mad. Ah, there's no God. It's like, that just convinced me otherwise. So I don't live for just the spy in the sky. I believe that I'm already tasting heaven. 
with every decision, every choice that I've made along the way, I've seen Jesus. I've seen him touch me. I've seen him heal. I've seen him restore. I've seen him bless my life. And to be honest with you, if Jesus doesn't do any, one more thing for me, he's done more than enough. I'm all in. I, I'm sold out. Why am I saying this, guys? I'm saying this to get us to understand. I don't pray to get things. I pray because Jesus is it. And if he doesn't answer a prayer, it's because he knows better than me why he's not answering that prayer. That's when I trust. Hey, I'm going to deny myself, take on my cross. You take the rest. So I don't have a vending machine, God. Boop, 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 boop. Ah. Oh, I have a God who runs the universe. He doesn't need my help. I just want a position right so, uh, so he can beam his light on me so I can shine in this evil and perverted generation, I want to shine like a star and let the world know there's a better way. There's a better option. So let me wrap up by saying this. Focus on the glory ahead. Pay attention to the glimpses and live for eternity because you are already an eternal being. You don't become an eternal being after you die. You just continue your journey that you chose. You chose on this side of life. No one can say God is unfair because God gave you free will to choose. And it will be, a sh it will be not free will if God forces you into his heaven. When was the last time you forced someone to live with you? Who doesn't want to live with you? Unless you have kids under the age of 18. <laughs> My house, my rules. <laughs> but it would be criminal of God to force people into heaven. If you don't want them now, why would you want them later? So it's a choice to focus. So once in a while, he says, you know, don't just be in the crowd. Embrace the call. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. I'll give you purpose and meaning. And you can rest assured when you live this life, you'll continue with me for the rest of eternity. I want to give you a scripture to go look up when you get home. Colossians chapter 3. And I want to just read a couple of verses to you out of the message translation. It says this. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. In other words, man, stop settling for bowls of soup. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, observe with the things right in front of you. That's what the world does. Look up. Be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective, which is eternal. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is, is in Christ and is in God. In other words, when, when the world doesn't understand the life that you have, that's none of your business. What other people think about you is none of your business. But what does God think about you is what you need to be focusing on. He goes on to say, Christ, he is your life. Your real life. When Christ shows up again on this earth, which he will, you will show up too. The real you. The glorious you. Filled with his light. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. What he was saying is, when Christ was on earth, he was obscure. Like he didn't let his light shine all the time to show the world. He was concealed by human flesh, but his spirit was always there. Say, listen, don't get caught up on the hype of the world and who's popular, who's great, who's successful, who's doing this, who's doing that. He said, center in on the purpose that God has for you.
because many will drop off. I've been here seven years. We've baptized, I think now by the grace of God, about 600 people have been baptized in this place. Actually, starting at Keith, two years here. But now everybody stays the course. For whatever reason, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's not how well you start. It's how well you finish. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. And I finished my race. That's what we want. So let's stand as we pray this morning. Are you ready to deny yourself? Take up your cross. Follow Jesus. Please, don't buy into the lame narrative of, I'm a good person. No, you're just the moon. You're just an ugly rock. You need the sun, the S-O-N, to reside in you. So you can actually have purpose in life and meaning. And you can shine in a dark world. That only happens when you make the choice, you use your free will to say, Jesus, I'm willing to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you all the way to glory one day. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Spirit of God, I pray you confirm your word into our hearts. God, I pray you pull us out of the crowd, single us out, and call us to follow you. I believe today in person, online, there are people that you are calling to follow you. God, I pray right now that those people who their hearts are beating really fast and they, or maybe their palms are sweaty and they're having a Peter moment, I pray, Holy Spirit, confirm that you are calling them to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow you. And God, I even pray for those who might be in that place of limbo and skepticism. God, I pray, Lord, Answer even their prayers that may sound like, I don't know if you're real, Lord, but reveal yourself to me. And maybe some of us have been on this journey for a while, and we've been lethargic and lukewarm, and, and we, we have allowed other things to get in the way. Lord Jesus, focus us today. Focus our focus today. Help us to doubt the doubts that the enemy tries to put in. Above all, God, give us give us your strength to stay the course for it's a long obedience in the same direction. Our minds are made up that you are the way, you're the truth, you're the life. We, Lord, want to be all in with you. So open our hearts and take us deeper today. Take us deeper today. Show us your glory, Lord. Whatever, we, whatever you think we can handle, show us your glory. Just don't leave us in our own minds, in our own understanding. Spirit of Jesus, come upon us and have your way with every single one of us. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.